Hello and welcome to the Women Is Born Free podcast with me, Sophia Garrity. This podcast is for you if you're a woman who is a free spirit, who craves freedom above all else, but knows that there are blocks standing in the way. I'll be sharing stuff I've learned, uh, stuff that's helped me completely transform my life in, in the last seven years. And I will also be speaking to other women and potentially men who have also uncovered blocks within themselves that have helped them become more free. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Becky Grace all about inequalities in the medical field and also trusting your own inner authority when it comes to problems with your body. So a lot of my actual journey to freedom actually started with depression. I had very very bad uh, depression in my early 20s and late teens and I remember at the time when I um, kind of hit rock bottom and realized that you know things were really bad I was like suicidal at the time I was like heavily depressed and I remember going to A&E and at the time I just wanted you know I wanted to kind of completely give up my own authority and be diagnosed with something and just be given pills or whatever it was um to make the problem go away and just be told by someone in a you know white coat or whatever doctors wear that there was something wrong with me and they could fix it and then what actually happened was I, I didn't get diagnosed with anything and they said I had trauma from an ex-relationship. And then uh, one of the psychiatrists actually said to me, you're highly intelligent. And I remember at the time, I thought that was the worst thing. I just wanted someone to take all my problems and tell me I was, you know, had something wrong with me and make them go away. And actually, I got told that I was highly intelligent. And like I say, at the time, I thought that was the worst thing in the world because I just wanted my problems going to go away. But actually that actually helped me to sort of like take responsibility in my life and start to trust my own inner authority so the fact that the doctor had actually told me that I seemed highly intelligent it actually made me think well I can fix this I can fix this I don't know how (laughs) um but it took a long time but I have it within me to listen to my body and and um and fix this and it was a huge shift because when I started to get anxiety and when I started to get depression again I would actually trust myself and listen to myself and be like "Mm, what is this trying to tell me what is this this is my body I trust my body now and it's giving me signals and it's telling me things what is this trying to tell me and actually the issue wasn't me it was actually um relationships in my life it was you know certain jobs I was in and it was it was kind of like environmental things so our relationship with our bodies in the medical field is very important when it comes to freedom and Becky Grace is someone who has a lot of wisdom on this because she trained as an NHS mental health nurse so she knows the medical system very well but she's also been on her own journey and retrained as a therapist and also has a strong kind of grounding in spiritual teachings and things like that so without further chat from me in this episode we're going to be covering that our relationship with medical authority and also talking about things like diagnosis and trusting your gut when it's time to change careers so 
fact, I'm going to start, Becky, with, you know, that sort of like career change. So you started, you're a mental health nurse. So obviously in that role, you are already helping people. And it's, you know, it's very, as someone who early 20s had issues with mental health and things like that, it's obviously a very worthwhile uh, career where you're making changes and, you know, helping people on the daily. What for you, what was it that sort of made you want to say, hang on, you know, this isn't quite right. I want to sort of retrain, learn something else. Um, I trained as a mental health nurse when I was 29. Um, so I hope that I had a bit of life experience at that point, but I just found I I was still struggling with some of my own stuff. Um, and tra- being a mental health nurse, I was able to, you know, definitely help and support people. Um, but I found found I was had my own sort of anxiety struggles and then I was later diagnosed with ADHD at 35 um, and whilst I was being a mental health nurse I found the environment very difficult to work in mm. um, so um, there's a bit of a traditional path when you're a mental health nurse now in the UK specifically there's like a sort of maybe like a path that you might follow so that would be you train as a mental health nurse you specialize throughout the three years of the training you go through um different sort of placements in all different areas working with adults older adults and children young people like across the whole spectrum um what I found is you then have to almost like when you qualify you have to sort of decide where you want to kind of go and I'm a bit of a I like doing a bit of everything (laughs) and um and I was sort of told to go into kind of like the sort of the psychiatric ward setting the what we call the you know the really really unwell people who've got really severe um mental health difficulties and um personally as someone with ADHD someone who identifies as neurodivergent that environment could be quite was quite difficult and quite challenging um and I couldn't reconcile the whole I've got all this anxiety and I'm obviously trying to help people with anxiety so um yeah so there's there's definitely an environmental aspect I think the um you know talking about obviously mental health services particularly in in the UK because that's what I can obviously comment on um it it's dependent on the area you work in it's quite what we call um quite a medical model Mm -hmm. at times um and when you're working with more severely mentally unwell people um, a lot of the time that's kind of managing medication um, and I suppose managing uh, behavior, what we call behaviour and I don't really like kind of using that term but being a mental health nurse you kind of have to be a, a jack of all trades not a lot of people really know what mental health nurses actually do um, but the answer is everything. <laughs> basically so it's the biological the psych- uh, psychological and and the social so I just found I I was struggling with the we're supposed to be looking after people's mental health but resources uh staffing um the way in which staff mental health staff are expected to give of themselves Mm. over and over again the caregivers but who takes care of them so who take who you know who takes care of the mental health nurses the mental health professionals 
Um, so there, there is just something around you give and you give, particularly in the NHS in, in healthcare services, um, and it's not a healthy an environment to work in. And I'm all about, for me, role modelling. Mm. Like, that's really important to me. It's quite a top value. And I'm like, if I can't keep myself in tip-top condition, how on earth am I supposed to help people? Um, so, yeah. It's so interesting. Like, one thing that really stuck is I think that's something I feel like women almost do a lot more where, say you know and this is more to do it's obviously not for any everyone but men might be like I want to do that just because I want to do that and I feel like as women we're more like oh I can only do something if I'm helping other people and Mm. it's you know you mentioned you're working with people anxiety and you're like oh my god I've got anxiety and it's Mm. but I think that's often the case because when we sometimes when we're struggling with something we're you know almost like the way that we can see that we we want to better ourselves is like oh I'm going to help other people with this same problem um which sometimes it's like you said with that it can almost lead to that kind of overgiving where you're always kind of you're helping I mean I I have some who's had sexual trauma I was like I want to help other people with sexual trauma and I remember I nearly volunteered for this charity mm. and I was like oh god you know what like for me healing right now looks like not thinking about sexual trauma and not having anything to do mm. with sexual trauma and just mm enjoy my life for a little bit you know obviously I like to do things to help other people but also just having fun and not thinking about difficult times and it's you know did you for me I mean that sounds quite especially when you said you strained as a mental health at like 29 so it wasn't like Mm. that's young enough but it wasn't like you know you're eating something like that so did you have any difficulty with feeling bad for making that career change what from from being a nurse to being a therapist? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say sometimes it's a bit of a. I, I've noticed it's a bit of a natural kind of progression. Mm. Um, I see it around me that a lot of um, people who are mental health nurses they get burnt out by the system and then they become therapists <laughs> anyway. So there's sort yeah. of like a bit of a trajectory and a pathway. But I didn't feel bad about it. I just uh, maybe I felt more disappointed maybe that um you know I, I, I want to help more people but I have to look after myself to be able to look after other people if that makes sense so prioritizing myself which again I still think is quite an alien <laughs> concept um in in healthcare because we want to put other people you know first we want to look and after and support them um yeah mm. and I know you're not the only person I've spoken to and one of my friends who works for the NHS who has had a lot of issues with that um you know and obviously that kind of profession does often attract people that do want to help other people and it's kind of yeah difficult when maybe the environments don't always allow for that to happen um Mm. I was interested something you said earlier where you said it was you know dealing with mental health when you said it was like quite medical Mm. what do you kind of like mean by that and why do you did you Mm. sort of feel that was an issue Mm. um it's dominated by kind of like doc you know kind of doctors and diagnosis and illness and as I have gone on through my clinical experience I have found I'm I think like medication for you know mental health difficulties can have its place but I think a lot of it stems from like 
the systems around the, the environment around us, the structures we're in mm. the conditioning that we're brought up with creates this storm <laughs> of mm. difficulties and that's why I sort of talk about kind of you know we kind of exist in this quite thick society in the west more western sphere I mean I can't obviously comment on the eastern sphere so much yeah but like in the western world it's this dominance of you see a symptom you take a pill um and not exploring the root or having time mm. to explore the root of the issue and so I've done obviously so many assessments over the years and there is usually trauma at the root wow, <laughs> um, yeah. whether that's you know with you know whether that's big bigger I suppose traumas or what or that just a collection over time of experiences that shapes your worldview in a negative way and you view yourself as maybe like you know more like all, all these bad things have happened to me feeling more I suppose as a kind of a victim um yeah and yeah I, I just I, I just find we need to be really exploring the whole person so whereas what I found in what I mean by that medical aspect is when you get to the severe end of of mental illness it's about giving medication generally yeah um it's about if they're on you know if someone um is on a ward it's about managing kind of you know difficult sort of you know behavior which is totally a normal and rational response mm. to what they go what they have been through or what they are going through and then that that gets medicalized it gets pathologized so it gets mm -hmm. diagnosed um and really like ultimately I think if we can explore that whole person and get to the root of what's going on um then then there may not be need for medication or you know change of environment is so so powerful for someone and but it's sometimes very much overlooked you know if you're in an mm. environment where there's abuse going on or neglect going on or the people around you are you're caught in a cycle of dependency or um you know dysfunction that's your normal you, you you're not being supported fully and and I do think at the core a, a, along with trauma a lot of people are experiencing low self-worth as a result of everything that's happened in their life um and I think it's about imbuing you know self-worth and self-confidence which will ultimately mean breaking out of kind of systemic structures and conditioning mm -hmm. which kind of leads on to it with women particularly I just see so much you know in, in as well that we're not catching very normal things that are happening like let's say menopause will get diagnosed with depression or as anxiety and women will be given antidepressants but actually there needs to be a conversation about the fact that they've got three children they're running two jobs yeah. which one you know they where they're doing care they're caring 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 all around and getting nothing for themselves um and then that gets then that gets pathologized it gets diagnosed as a within them problem <laughs> like a you know depression or anxiety here's a pill or yes we can maybe look at hrt obviously as an option and it, it, again everyone is unique and individual and i'm when i'm talking broadly i'm not talking about individual circumstances you know but it's mm. yeah i just 
I just think it's the almost the elephant in the room. I don't know, Emperor's New Clothes. We're not seeing what's right in front of us sometimes. It's so in all of this. I honestly I've kind of got goosebumps you saying that. And it's mm. it's a lot. I mean, I'm gonna sound <laughs> I hope <laughs> it's funny, even saying this, I'm judge I'm like, God, do I sound like a conspiracy theorist if I say this? But I'm not. I mean it's mm. it, it's a lot for me, like our relationship with authority. And we've had this authority mm. that has been traditionally masculine. And I remember when I was like twenty-one or twenty-two, complete breakdown, I was like suicidal, mm. like had this abusive relationship, like absolute rock bottom. And my whole, you know, I was having all these panic attacks and back pains and migraines and all this stuff. And I thought, you know, my mindset at the time was like, there must be something wrong with me. I must have bipolar. I must have all this. And I remember going and even, you know, the A&E kind of like being admitted because I said I was suicidal. They obviously, you know, admit you for a little bit just to make sure you're going to be okay. And I remember speaking to the psychiatrist there. And the first thing they said was like, do you enjoy your job? It's like, mm. do you enjoy my job? What are you talking about? I mean, you know, I thought they'd be like, yeah, you know, you've got bipolar, I said, his pills. And they were like, do you enjoy your job? And I was kind of like, well, no, I feel really trapped. And then if you look at, like you say, that thing that's right in front of you, because you're doing this thing 40 hours a week mm. <laughs> or more probably. And then if you're not, in, you know, if, if there's, I mean, and obviously everyone's got different situations and there is a case yeah. of pay bills and things like that. But like you said, you know, if you're in a, an environment, that can be difficult and things like that not that that one was but it's if I, I didn't feel like it be myself it's so much interest in how there can be like things it's, it is the environmental stuff and I guess with mental health problems being so high I always say if it was a physical problem if like I don't know what it is one in three is it people had stomach problems mm. or you know mm. we'd be saying oh my god there's food poisoning there's something in the food like but with yeah. mental health it's well, like no we're defective in some way yeah that the problem's within us not outside of us and I just see so much it's environment and it's systems and it's power imbalances as well power dynamics and structures you know being in a job that you 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 know being in a job you hate but you've got to pay the bills and you feel you can't change because you've got you know kids husband partner whatever and you feel you can't put yourself first and you feel you have to stay and there's this, the power dynamic that comes with that, which uh, then, of course, of course, you're going to feel depressed. Of course, you're going to feel low, um, powerless, feeling powerless. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess even, I, yeah, because I think it's like it's safe. Sometimes it's safer to attack yourself than to attack someone mm-hmm. else, because if you're especially, you know, it could be conditioning or it could be that you're in a relationship with someone who's dangerous or abusive. And it's like if you mm-hmm. make your, yourself the problem, and you're like, oh, yeah. I'm fine and I'm unhappy because I have a mental health issue rather than you're making me feel like this. And, you know, I need to get away from mm. you. Mm. It's, then you, you're at risk of that person. Yeah. And the amount of conversations I have with women who I have to then like, they don't realize they're in abusive or you know difficult dynamics because it's not it. They, that's their normal. And you a lot of the time I'm having honest conversations about I think you're being abused I think yeah. you're experiencing psychological abuse usually and they'll be like well they're not hitting me and I'm like well oh my god but it's but it's like but it you know it's this constant chipping away at your self-worth those comments over time you're the product of the people you spend most time with and if you've got comments going on from 
different areas saying you're rubbish you're not good enough you're not worthy you'll internalize it and you'll start to believe it that you're not worthy it's so and I know we will it's funny I've done this the opposite way around of how I intended where we're going to end up on food I think we're starting with the, the yeah. medical and we're going to end up on food. I always say to people I'm like we will cover everything but I don't know in what order Just, it's what we're going to do. but um when, when I was preparing for this it was inter- interesting because I was thinking because I know you focus on binge eating and things like that mm. and I remember when I was in that abusive relationship and he was calling me fat all the time like saying how fat I was and all this stuff and I remember even afterwards, I, I must have been a size six or eight, like absolutely <laughs> tiny. Um, and I remember mentioning it to colleagues at the time and I was like, oh, well, I'm overweight. And they just all looked like completely, they were like, you're absolutely tiny. But I mm. genuinely believed it because mm. someone had said that to me nearly every day for a certain amount of time. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's interesting how so much of the realities we live in are actually just what someone says they are <laughs> yeah and, and then they're quality into that yeah yeah and you believe it and that's what forms are you know and that's doing what I do is cognitive behavioral therapy it, it's questioning your beliefs and questioning your evidence for those beliefs where those beliefs come from is that actually accurate is that true and then starting to shift your worldview <laughs> of, mm. of how, you, how you view yourself um yeah and- I guess one area where this really, I think the consequences of this can be really devastating is in the medical profession. And we, you know, talking about Mm. inequality and sexism in the medical profession, because it's, Mm. um, apologies, I don't have any stats in front of me for it, but I do, I've definitely read quite a few times that it's, it's something like women were more likely to die if they're operated on, Mm. you know more about this than I do. So, but I think because of certain biases and things like that, is that right? Mm. Um, I would say pain is definitely not as acknowledged. Again, this is more anecdotal experience rather than any stats <laughs> to go with that might, but from what I've experienced that, like you have to shout louder, mm. I think as a woman to get your pain acknowledged, but then even then you might express that pain and it still might be dismissed. And I see so, so much now women are like, trying you know they're trying to speak up for themselves now they they're going hang on what's going on you know what you know they're speaking they're definitely speaking up for themselves much more I'm noticing which is great mm-hmm. um you know like I'm not happy with this service or this needs to be you know like this has not met my need like women are start I'm noticing the last two to three years that they are starting to speak up more but I before that again pre-covid um you know like that this like you go you go to the doctors um particularly about ADHD actually as a yeah woman, that's a really good example of going to the doctors about ADHD thinking as a woman that you might have it and you might be a little bit older and that being dismissed so now we've got this avalanche of women being diagnosed with ADHD in yeah. later life obviously including myself um and then obviously it's been questioning oh does ADHD exist and that's a whole conversation for another time but it's yeah um particularly ADHD I've noticed I I wrote a little guide for kind of women like how to not get popped off by your GP (laughs) almost so when seeking a diagnosis because basically what would happen is we again we treat 
healthcare professions as the authority and the expert and we then maybe don't trust our own intuition and our own guidance within mm. um and then so you'll go to the doctor going look i'm my attention you know is all over the place um you know i find it really hard to focus etc and they'll just be told you know oh well we don't think you have it off you go um but I, i'm starting to see that shift now and that, that is changing the referrals are now coming because i think there's just such volume of women going look i've spent my whole life with this high anxiety threshold mm. you know being not able to cope feeling overwhelmed at most times and i can feed myself on that one um and then going for that diagnosis so i'm, I'm a little bit contradictory when it comes to diagnosis because obviously it's kind of me saying about diagnosis and actually is it systems and structure and then i'm obviously saying about so, adhd yeah <laughs> It's so complicated. I don't have all the answers. And again, as an ex, like it's like I'm an expert because I have a profession and a title <laughs> and I've done all this experience. I still don't know. <laughs> it's, Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I'm very honest about that. My my views change over time and I'm always just very open and very curious. You know, is ADHD as a result of more complex trauma? You know, it could be mm. birth trauma. It could be obviously growing up in unstable, chaotic environments. Again, that's more like complex trauma. There's this overlap as well between kind of ADHD yeah. and complex trauma, which again, yeah, it's still, I don't have a, I think people think you've got to have this firm fixed view and here's my belief and I share it now, but it's constantly changing and mm. shifting for me. So I'm not very committal on my standpoint sometimes because I'm like, I'm always thinking about it. But yeah, ADHD, women, uh, later diagnosis were particularly good example of that um that kind of almost like medical gaslighting kind of you know there's nothing wrong with you um yeah and it's I guess it's that constant I mean everything you're saying like what keeps on coming up in my mind is that constant battle between inner authority and outer authority and then mm. like every yeah even like I know I know getting it with emails and I'm like these emails I'm getting fucking e like sorry I'm getting these bloody emails all the time <laughs> and it's really stressing me out and it's like you could be like oh I need to learn how to deal with this better or you could be like actually it's not natural for us to be on all the time yeah have yeah. this is actually having technology on 24 hours a day and being accessible it's mm -hmm. actually no like my body's Stop right it. when it's saying stop emailing stop emailing me I've had enough emails I'm done I want to focus on mm -hmm. a task without distractions and, yeah. and it's just yeah. you know that constant inner versus outer authority yeah it's like who do you believe do you believe your own inner tuition do you believe the outside kind of authority mm. on on it but I think people are questioning it well that may be my what I view in my algorithms and my bias mm. right, I read on but I I feel like people are questioning systems and structures much more now than they were before yeah and especially like you talk about the medical authority and they did and i know there was an experiment years ago quite a famous one where they told people to electrocute other people and then the people who told them to do it were in white coats and had this you know authority because mm. they had a white coat on and then afterwards you know and they had actors pretending to be in pain that they're being electrocuted mm -hmm. and the people pr still press the button and then yeah. afterwards, they were like, why did you still press the button when you could hear someone crying and screaming in pain? And they were like, but that person in a white coat told me to do it. <laughs> even and you can see they were like crying, pressing this button. They didn't want to hurt someone yeah. else. Oh. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. you've had your own personal experience of medical gaslighting. Mm. That. Even, you know, it's interesting because even you working in the medical field, 
and you know mm. so this is, you've got knowledge of that field and there's obviously people that don't have any mm. knowledge and mm. you've you know you've had it even within that I mean what was your own kind of experience with that mm. um so we can definitely obviously I've just sort of mentioned about the ADHD experience mm. of I going to my GP but they were like we need more information for us to sort of take this forward and when you go in <laughs> if you've got ADHD it's very hard verbally to vocalize what you yeah. need because it's a big jumble in your head so always just yeah I I, I, ended, I ended up almost I, I like bypassing <laughs> systems I'm a bit of a rebel I, um, like I went to <laughs> I went to a private company and um, who do like a screening for like a small mm. amount of money that they then provide to your GP so they basically wrote me a little mini assessment that I've been presented in front of my GP saying please refer me now um so that was like I sort of bypassed the system a little bit because I was expecting them to say no anyway and initially they did say no <laughs> um so I was like right I'm gonna bought the system right that that's 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 me <laughs> I'm just like how can I get around this um and then so yeah so that's the ADHD example um but in my early 20s like again I found it so hard to speak up for myself um and I had um in I think I was how old was I, I was 21 um and I had some recurring gynecological issues mm. and um and it was pretty serious what was going on um like a proper like acute infection I had to go to like A&E three times mm. before before something was done and by that point I had septicemia and I was in agony like absolute agony and pain but my pain was dismissed each time I went or downplayed or you know oh it's not that bad or you know like or you know I'll take some antibiotics and it'll be you know like see if it goes down and but my intuition was telling me this isn't right but I wasn't mm. trusting it I wasn't trusting it because I again we come back to the authority I was trusting this external authority that they know better than I do they know my body better than I do um which is not the case at all obviously but <laughs> now I'm much older but it was, yeah, like it was pretty serious. And I even remember like like some of the reactions to to what I was experiencing, this infection that I was experiencing. And um, yeah, it was just, and also I think we're, again, women's anatomy as well, mm. um, gynecologically. Like we didn't even know like until 2005, like the anatomy of what was actually going oh, on. <laughs> really, really. So this happened, what, 2003. And I just think, people were not you know just aware you know gynecology women's issues are I still think are dismissed with your in pain you know like you know with that's things like endometriosis fibroids mm. PCOS how long it takes I think about on average 10 years to get an endometriosis diagnosis I think mm. of constantly going to the GP saying I'm in pain and they'll put you on the pill to make that problem that's what I'm saying they put you on the pill to take that problem away and then what ends up happening is kind of this almost emotional blunting that happens with being on the pill because your emotions you're not going through those yeah, highs and yeah. those lows and you don't get to experience distress like everyone like no one likes being in distress and I use the word distress a lot but we need to fit in distress sometimes to mm. be able to take action for ourselves so when I think back to my early 20s and that you know that, I, that could have killed me 
like it wasn't until like it was the infection was a really serious stage before something was done so I then I did have an immediate my belief then after is this to not actually trust <laughs> um but also to then go and work in said services as well yeah. to kind of almost like on a social justice mission of I want to find out how services work um but that wasn't the only reason I wanted to work in in mental health but um you know like there's, there's another story <laughs> there as well that's quite an important story but um yeah it's yeah. yeah it's a really interesting thing I think with the working with the the authority you know because I think in different way in different things it's almost I think there's almost uh what's that book it's like women who run with wolves and there's this like they say yeah. women's journey where you find out the truth and it's terrible and I think you know this can look like you know my my experience of it was really realizing in terms of sexual trauma and sexual assault and rape and mm. things like that that the legal system and the power systems were very much mm. not on the side of the victim again this was before me too um yeah. and I remember looking at the you know legalities about rape and things like that and even though the majority of rapes happen in relationships the entire legal system was just made mm. for you're walking down an yeah. alleyway and you get rugby tackled by the blue yeah. yeah exactly exactly when in fact it was almost like every every woman I knew who'd experienced something like that it was a, a friend a colleague a, a boyfriend or something and I, I think it's it's almost like there's that stage you where you kind of you know you almost at first you're in that naive stage where you just trust authority and you're like mm. everything's fair in the world and you mm. know if anything goes wrong mm. like I'll just ask a doctor or a yeah a a court or anything you kind of trust authority and then you have something happen and then you almost go the other way you're like I can't trust anyone I'm gonna have to Mm. sleep with a cricket bat next to my bed and make Mm. my own way in the world um but in actuality often like the way forward is probably a mix of both where it's almost something discovered lately it's kind of been like okay we are in an imperfect world Mm. there is this legacy of inequality yeah. But also, I'm still here. Am I just going to give up? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or do you, yeah. do you kind of still show up and be part of that? And um, yeah. it's interesting because I know you're like me, like me and stuff into spirituality mm. and things like that. And I got a lot of healing from that world. Mm. Um, but also, I was like work in the mainstream world quote unquote like I don't work in anything spiritual I work as a journalist and stuff and you obviously work in the traditional Mm. medical Mm. field rather than Mm. I don't know being a a witch or something or you know being a a more natural healer let's say yeah maybe not a witch it's probably not the best (laughs) (laughs) natural term well you know I've got friends who are witches that I (laughs) <laughs> we've all we've all descended from so exactly <laughs> just, just just the options therapist or which pick one yeah one. <laughs> but how do you reconcile the two of them oh you know not the two of them but how mm. do you reconcile kind of what you've learned in the more kind of anti my words are failing me today the more mm. it's not esoteric but alternative health area mm. i'm still teetering that line okay. <laughs> i'm still working that out like it's a constant sort of almost battle in my head like again it's this sort of almost thing needing to fit into a binary of you need to pick a side mm. pick a side and 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 choose one and when actually obviously you know part of part 
part of my work I'm still within those traditional systems and services part of my week I'm doing more of my own kind of you know private work and then I can have a little bit more creativity about that and a little bit maybe more kind of agency or ownership about how I do that rather than sitting within systems and structures and you're right it's imperfect but it's what we've got at the moment and I think we can make changes within it by being in it um you can also make changes by being out of it and from a from a net more of an activist standpoint but I I also don't want it to be like they're inherently bad either yeah, because yeah. again we're all part of this complex like web of systems and structures and you know some stuff works incredibly well still even though obviously we hammer the NHS with how you know you know like it becomes always a bit of a mob mentality towards oh, you know like you know like the NHS oh, not quite work you know but sometimes I think it yeah. still does actually work incredibly well and the people within it um there are they are incredible amazing people yes you've got bad eggs but you've got that in every <laughs> mm. every avenue in every industry but I, I think sometimes a negative lens is cast upon um it when actually good work can be can be done so it, that's how I sort of teeter the line and and I just try and make small incremental changes where I can um you know and that can be as simple as um you know when I see someone for an assessment just we're just really hearing them and really really trying to hone that holistic kind of eye and also I will defend um maybe you know like to the more medical field particularly when it comes to hormones and menstrual cycle and that Mm. wisdom that we have with our own cycle you know like if someone's got um anorexia and they haven't had a period for seven years for example that's clearly going to affect how they think and feel um and because that menstrual cycle is your that is your your life force that is your that is you know that's your sign of a vital sign of functioning Mm. um so it you know I might I might speak up about that a bit more when I'm having a more um shared discussion with lots of different professionals I'll be like they haven't had a cycle for seven years that really needs to be kind of like explored this person's 42 they're probably menopausal uh perimenopausal we need to explore that that might be as well Mm -hmm. that might be feeding into how they're eating as well um Mm. and then can we explore getting some support there that's kind of how I piece of the line I try and make the changes with the knowledge I've got and using some of that spiritual side of things within as well and asking a question in an assessment you know like if you ask someone you know what are your spiritual diversity and cultural needs they just look at you blankly Mm. obviously um but it's like well what makes you feel alive what gives you purpose what gives you meaning what makes in a lot of people can't answer that question because they don't actually know what it's like to feel alive Um, but that that is the spiritual question I think it's just how it's phrased so I will always bring that in so I bring the spiritual in but without naming it spiritual well thank you so much for listening if you did get something from that and hopefully you did then please do let me know please subscribe to the podcast on apple and or spotify and leave a review